I'm a wreck. God's not interested in me. There's no way he would choose me and use me in his work. There are more able and good people in this world than me. Besides, what would I do if I say yes to him? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury and the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 AM and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded. Also, you can find us on Gab TV, and you're going to find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook at Gab YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Today we're going to be talking about encounters with Christ. God is searching out souls. He's not looking for the big important people of society. He's looking for the weak and the base people of the world. Why is that? We read elsewhere in the scriptures, not many noble, not many wise are called, but God has chosen the weak and the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Because the wise would say, may the strong man win. And God says, may my grace be magnified in weak vessels. So God is searching out souls every day in every nationality, not looking for the big important people, but looking for people whose heart is open to him. So you may have an encounter with him, and maybe you already have had an encounter with him. The question is, how are you going to respond? Or have you already responded? Your purpose in life is found as you respond favorably to Christ. Whenever he crosses your pathway, whatever he says to you, when you respond favorably to him, you'll find your purpose in life. You are going to wander for years, however, if you turn away from him. So there's a few places of scripture that I'd like to look at here. First, kind of thinking about the first time meeting Jesus. And we're looking at the first time when some people in the scriptures have met Jesus. We're looking at John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51, and we're going to break this apart a little bit. The next day again, John was standing, that's John the Baptist, with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. 
you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So in this section of scripture, we are breaking in on John the Baptist. John the Baptist, as you can look in the scriptures and find out, his birth was foretold. He is called in the book of Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. In addition to that, when John the Baptist was born, or even before that, when he was conceived, there was a miracle surrounding the announcement of his birth, where his father went in to do his priestly duties, Zacharias, and saw an angel. He didn't believe the angel's words that he was going to have a son right then, and the angel struck him mute, so he could not speak, or dumb, so he couldn't speak. Uh, And the miracle was that his father was speechless his entire time in his mother's womb until the day he was born. And then Zacharias spoke and said, his name shall be John. Something different than normal births. It was a miraculous situations around there. John the Baptist had a cousin, and his cousin just happened to be Jesus Christ. Um, John the Baptist meets Jesus at the River Jordan. John the Baptist is already there preaching repentance, baptizing people, and Jesus comes down to the river on the bank, and he turns and sees Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, or the sin of the world. What a thought. First of all, John the Baptist knew Jesus from when they were younger. They were uh, cousins. And so now he sees them, he sees Jesus, and now he has the declaration, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So we find here's John's reaction to meeting Jesus. No doubt he probably met him in his younger years, but now he's met him and understands who he is and his reaction, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. While John said that, he had two of his disciples that were with him. One of them was Andrew, and they heard John the Baptist's declaration about this man, Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. They heard that declaration. And what effect did that have on them both? Well, we don't know what effect it had on both of them, but we do know the effect that was had on Andrew. Andrew immediately believed the declaration of John the Baptist. He heard John the Baptist say, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and then he decides to follow Jesus from there onward. He walked after Jesus, and he's, he's following after, and Jesus turns around and says to him and the other guy with him, What are you guys doing? And they said, Rabbi, we want to know where you live. So he says, Come and see, and they follow him and spend the whole day with him. No doubt, 
Andrew first was intrigued by what John had said and put a lot of weight in John's words. Now he's spent the day with Jesus and he's convinced all the more that this is the Messiah. So what what happened to then Andrew at that time? He goes and tells somebody else. But before we, we go there, I just want to ask you a question. Have you experienced something in Jesus? Have you experienced the presence of God? Have you experienced his voice in the deep re- recesses of your heart? There really is something about the name of Jesus above all names on earth. Let me ask you this. If you have had that kind of an experience with Jesus somewhere along the way, what did you do with it? When you met him, what did you do with that experience? Andrew went and shared this revelation, his revelation, with his brother, and his brother is Simon Peter. (laughs) So Andrew made his revelation into reality when he confessed with his mouth that Jesus was the Messiah or the Savior that they had been looking for. Another place in the scripture says, that um, salvation is made by confession of our mouth. We confess the things that we believe, and then it kind of sets in stone those things that we believe. That's what happened here with Andrew. He comes to Peter. He couldn't keep it to himself. He said, I found the Messiah. I found the Savior, the one we've been looking for. And then he has Peter follow him and says, let me show you this Messiah. So Peter follows Andrew. And Peter was brought to Jesus by his brother, And we're not really told, though, what effect this meeting at this point had on Peter when he he met Jesus face to face. We just know that Jesus says, your name's now going to be called Cephas or Peter. Then we're told the next day, Jesus went out looking for people. He went to Galilee, or excuse me, Bethsaida. So we find Jesus, he's looking for Philip. Philip, it appears, immediately recognizes that this Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. What's his reaction? He goes and finds his friend Nathaniel and wants to tell him. So when Philip goes to Nathaniel, he tells him we found the Messiah, and first, he doesn't believe Philip. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He laughs. I don't know what all that meant, but apparently Nazareth was known maybe for not so. No, not so great, any greatness whatsoever. And so he's thinking, are you kidding me? Can anything great come out of Nazareth? And Philip's response is, why don't you come and see? So then he goes and sees Jesus, and Jesus tells Nathanael of his miraculous knowledge of when Nathanael was under a fig tree, apparently just recently. And Nathanael goes, whoa, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, just because I told you you're under the fig tree, now you believe you're going to see greater things than these. So first we find Philip, he readily believes. He tells Nathaniel, his friend, Nathaniel really doesn't believe right off. And then he talks with Jesus and is convinced otherwise. So through this little section, we learn some things. First of all, there's different ways of people meeting Jesus. We find that there is this direct way where Jesus had an encounter with people, but then we find some indirect ways as well. We find here where Jesus took the initiative, and he was the first one that went out to seek. He went out to seek John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't out looking for him. Jesus found John the Baptist, and then John the Baptist realized this is the son of the living God. Jesus also, we're told, went out 
to seek Philip. Does that mean that Jesus, you know, seeks some people and doesn't seek others? I don't think so. I think that his heart is open to every single person, but I think Jesus knows what, because he knows every single one of our personalities, he knows what it's going to take to bring us to the place of seeing him as he really is. So he sought out John the Baptist and he sought out Philip. Jesus took the first step of the initiative. The initiative. Then we find where other people were seeking Jesus. And that was Andrew. Andrew heard the declaration, but then he had to go see for himself. More so, what is, who, who is this man? I got, I got to see more about him. So Andrew and this other man, the unnamed man that we don't know that was with him, they followed after Jesus, so they sought him. Dear listener, sometimes Jesus will seek you out and come knocking on your door. The scripture tells us that. Sometimes we have such a hunger in our heart that we can't wait and we got to go find him ourselves. And then sometimes maybe somebody we know has met Jesus and found him and others lead us to him. Just like Peter. Andrew said, I got to go tell my brother and he tells his brother. Philip says, I got to go tell my friend and he tells Nathaniel and he introduces Peter. Well, Andrew introduces Peter to Jesus. Philip introduces Nathaniel to Jesus. So we see Jesus seeking people. We see people seeking Jesus. And then we see people introducing others to Jesus. So there are some means of how people met Jesus. We find that in scripture and it's no different today. The same things still happen in this present day. In addition to different ways of meeting Jesus, there's also different reactions to meeting Jesus for the first time. So we find one, there is upon meeting Jesus, an immediate revelation of who he is. The first time that John the Baptist met him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He didn't need much of anything more. He knew right then and there, bam. Same thing with Andrew. He heard that, spent some time with Jesus and said, he's the, he's the Messiah. He's the one we're looking for. Nathaniel, he had an immediate revelation of who he was after he, was, uh, after he met Jesus for the first time. And so did Philip. At least that's what we can deduce from looking at the scripture. We find sometimes people need some time to process. We're told Peter, he met Jesus, but at that point, we're not told that he started to follow him. It's just that Jesus said, your name is going to be called Peter. And that's all we know for, for that present time. And we're going to get into some things that happened down the road. But dear listener, who are you? Where are you on the spectrum? Have you met Jesus? And were you immediately convinced of who he was? Or maybe you've met Jesus and you're still not quite sure yet. You don't know what to do with it. Let me just tell you and give you some, some hope, some direction, some comfort. We find it in the scripture. We find different people there. Some people that readily swallowed it and saw it. And some people that stood back and said, I'm not really sure what to think right now. And I just want you to think as a listener, I want you to think of where are you in this? In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782.
So we looked at when people meet Jesus for the first time, but how about the call to follow Jesus or be his disciple, be be somebody that learns from him and obeys him? Now we're going to look in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, and a parallel part is Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. These are kind of synthesized together just so for sake of brevity right now, uh, or time. So, while walking alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, that is Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. He saw them casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him, followed Jesus. Another passage that helps us shed light on what happened at that time is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down your nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So it seems that these are two parallel places. Jesus came where the fishermen were, and called them to be his disciples, to follow him. He had met some of these already, but at this point, he called them. So it seems to me that depending on how we respond to our encounter with Christ, he may ask us to follow him. And really, he wants all of us to follow him, but it's really up to us. So Jesus, he showed up to these men that had met him before, or at least they'd seen him before, he showed up again, kind of like following up with them. And where did he show up? Jesus shows up at their place of work. Now, he was teaching a crowd there, but he met these men right in their trade, right while they're getting their hands dirty, mending their nets, washing their nets. These were lowly fishermen. These were not the top-notch people of society. Now, at that particular time, the Jews had an understanding that when the Messiah came, He was going to be this political uh, victor. He was going to take out the Romans and free the Jews once and for all and give political victory, and it was going to be just a blessed time here on earth. So having him come and talk to some fishermen is quite an astounding thing. Uh, These guys, they probably thought, "Why why does he want us to follow him? We don't get it. He's a normal tradesman. Again, he came to the lowly. Because not many wise people are called 
He wants his grace to be magnified in weak creatures and weak people so that people glorify God and don't just say, well, that's because that guy, you know, he's just an, he's a great speaker or he's just a really all around talented person. These are fishermen. These are just normal guys, normal tradesmen. They were guys that were used to grueling work. They were working all night, it says. All night they were trying to catch fish and they caught nothing. These were guys that were overtaxed. So they're working to try and provide for their family. And then the Roman Empire is taxing them so heavily that they barely can get food on their tables. These guys were living paycheck to paycheck. Some of them were in debt to the government for the taxes that they owed. And they also had steep licensing fees that they had to pay to even fish. And then most of the money that came from all the fish that they caught went back to the Roman government and not into their own pockets. These were lowly fishermen. Jesus went there to talk with these men. And I want to say to you, dear listener, he's reaching out to you, the working man or woman. He's reaching out to you, the factory worker. He's reaching out to you, the trash pickup man. He's reaching out to you, the gas station clerk, the janitor, the carpenter, the plumber, the mechanic, the normal everyday Joe. He's reaching out to you. He has something better for you. He has a call on your life. And he's not looking for these great and gifted people. He's looking for you. You may think to yourself, well, why? He's looking for those that don't need the deprogramming of religion to be transformed themselves and then to give that saving message to others just like Jesus you know, would show you. You give your heart to him, then he wants you to go tell it to others. However, a lot of times when people are grown up in this kind of religious world, they're in this bubble, they got everything in a box, and they miss the point, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees of his day. You know, the same things repeat in our day. I'm not saying everybody that's religious is a hypocrite, but Jesus often goes to the people that are simple-minded but have good hearts, and he wants to use those people to forward his kingdom. So, maybe you met him, listener. Did you meet him? Has he called you to follow him? The question is, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to just keep going the way you already are? We see another progression here where people first meet him. Then we see where Jesus calls people to follow him. But then we see where he appoints people to do his special work or to do God's work. So we're looking in Mark 3, 13 through 19 in the parallel place of Luke 6, 12 through 16. In these days... Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called to him who's, uh, called to him those whom he desired of his disciples, and they came to him. So listen, this was of his disciples. So he's picking people out of the followers that he called to himself, and they came to him. And he appointed them twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, the sons of thunder, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Judas Thaddeus, the son of James, and Simon, who is called the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So we, we have a block of people we've already met and talked about, and then there's others that we haven't yet seen. So here we find where Jesus pooled or picked out of the pool of disciples 12 special ones. Amongst the many disciples of Jesus, 
He chose 12 special ones and appointed them to be with him all the time. That's probably to see his manner of life, what he does, and to learn from him, and then to send them out on a mission. Again, look at who he picked. Now, there are some peoples here whose occupations we don't know, but from Scripture, we do know this. There were four fishermen, Andrew, Peter, James, and John. Those were fishermen. There was Matthew, the tax collector, and then there was Simon, uh, the zealot. He was a religious zealot. He, he was somebody that said, we're going to restore Israel back to its glory. And he probably would have used revolutionary tactics um, because of what it says about zealots in history. He would have used revolutionary tactics to try and get it to happen. Now try and put all those people together in a group and see how that works out for you. But that's what Jesus did. He chose a bunch of different people to do this work. So he appointed 12 out of many. And if you follow after Jesus, you will likely hear from him a more pointed call for service. It's like he wants you to follow him and then he sees certain aptitudes and things in you and sees, are you going to stick it out? And if you are, it's like he he takes you up another tier. Not all of us are going to serve the same way, by the way. We've got different aptitudes and giftings and that's not a problem to Jesus, though. When we pull all these kind of people, fisherman, tax collector, and a a religious zealot together, we might think there's going to be some tensions. And there were. But he's got a job for each one of them. And each one of them had something special. He spent all night in prayer to figure out who these guys are. We're told in the scriptures, many are called, but few are chosen. You know, God does whittle down people. He whittles down even from his disciples and calls men and women out to special work and special service. Who are you? Are you going to do the same thing? Are you going to hear God's voice when you meet him? And then are you going to are you going to follow after him are you going to be a faithful disciple of his? Are you going to do what he asks you to do? And then what if he does call you to some special work or appoint you to some special work? Are you going to back out or are you going to follow? You know, God calls us into partnership. Since the foundation of the world, there were works that he has ordained that every single one of us should do. The thing is, is that we have our own free will. We can make our own choices. Not, not every one of us is going to walk in the works that he has before ordained. Before ordained doesn't mean it's definitely going to happen. It means this is what he sees. This is what could happen. And then our choices will either make it happen or stop it from happening. So God can do this work without us. He doesn't need us. But look, he found fishermen. He found tax collectors. He found a religious zealot. And then he comes in and calls us into partnership. Isn't that astounding? It's humbling, really, to think that Jesus, the Son of God, would call any one of us into partnership to do work for his Father's kingdom, for the kingdom of God. That's insane, but yet it's true. He works through broken vessels that we can better show the saving power of God and the transformation that he has given us. You know, he could circumvent us and just tell people you need to get saved and lightnings and flashings and thunders and all that. And we read in the Old Testament, it said the people trembled and feared and they didn't want to talk with God. They wanted Moses to go up and talk. So he comes down and he, and he meets us right where we are in our places of work, in the lowly places of life that we tread. And he says, follow me. And then he transforms and changes us. And then from that, we are trophies of his grace. And the world around us says, what's up with these people? They're so different. No doubt that's exactly what happened to those men that followed Jesus back in those days. And that's still 
what happens in these days. And it has been happening for thousands of years, 2,000 years after he has ascended into heaven. It's still the same. The still, still the same things happen. So you can meet him for the first time. Then he'll call you to be his disciple. Then he may pick out of those disciples certain of you because he has an appointed mission or an appointed work. What are you going to do, dear listener? Where are you in this spectrum? Are you the normal Joe in society? You're nothing special. You got a nine-to-five job. Are you trapped in drink, maybe? Are you trapped in the humdrum and you feel little significance in life? Jesus is seeking you. Will you let him show you who he is? Will you answer his call? He meets us where we are, and then he radically changes us and makes us into people fit for his great work. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself. I want to set up a time to meet you. Uh, We can go to a coffee shop or wherever. I want to coach and help you further to walk with God. Also, go to our social media accounts, Facebook, YouTube, Gab. Find us on there. You'll find more teaching and preaching to help you on your journey, and you can connect with others that are going on your journey. Tell them about this broadcast and our social media accounts. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.